on our Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. What a joy to be back in the United States of America. I tell you, you go to one of those former United Soviet Socialist Republics, and then you thank God for the good old U.S. of A. Amen. Hebrews 11. I want to teach this morning about some ladies who trusted God. Notice verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. You'll also look at verse 31. It says, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And you can see in verse 32 the names of so many Old Testament characters. Well, this chapter deals with faith and trust and confidence in God. And we all should be happy if we've had the opportunity to be raised by moms and dads that believe in God. Everybody has not been so privileged. My parents were not Christian when I was little. But if you did have parents that were Christian, particularly a mother, you should be grateful that you didn't have to wake up to someone who was drunk or someone on drugs, that you didn't have to walk throughout the neighborhood to look for your mom to try to locate her because you didn't know where she was or who she spent the night with the night previously. To have a mother is to have someone that, because of who she's given birth to, she naturally loves with an unconditional love, a love that lasts, a love that is patient, and a love that is kind. But just like some cow-calf pairs, there are some cows that don't take naturally to wanting to nurse that little calf. There are plenty of ladies on planet Earth who weren't the best moms, who didn't love their kids, didn't care about their kids. But if you had one that really did care about you, then you should be grateful. If you had one that was sacrificial and lived a life in front of you that lets you know that Jesus was the governor and master of their life, then you should consider yourself blessed. Now the Bible says here in verse 11 that there was an older lady by the name of Sarah and she received strength to conceive seed. She was older. It was a lady over the age of 70. And yet God touched her supernaturally and imparted to her womb, as well as to her husband, the ability to conceive seed in old age. And the Bible says, verse 11, that it occurred by faith. She believed. She trusted. And that faith brought about the divine conception. And it says she had the baby when she was past age. Now, overseas, it's common for young ladies to get married early in rural villages. 
of the Far East and Middle East and Africa, you could find a young lady that's married by the age of 13, 14. By the time a cycle begins, they're ready to be married in some cultures. This is why you often find ladies overseas who by the time they're in their late 40s, they already may be great-grandparents, not just grandparents, but yet past age. In old times, if somebody made it to the age of 55 or 60, they were considered elderly. We could say that 175 years ago. But just because of technology in medicine and because of the ability of a nurse to wipe a wound, bring about some kind of anesthetic that could heal a person of some bacteria or something. People are living longer. Well, for somebody like Sarah to receive strength from God, God obviously had a divine plan for her life. And you know she was a beautiful woman because the Scripture says when Abraham and Sarah came into the Promised Land, one of the kings of the area abducted her because she was so beautiful. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah. She was past age when she had this child. Now, I don't know what past age would be today. Occasionally, you still hear stories of ladies in their late 50s or occasionally in their 60s becoming a mom again. Yeah. And who knows, I remember one time Tiffany and I were down in Dallas, Texas, and I think there was a lady at one of the board meetings where we were. She was in her late 50s, like 58, 59, might even been slightly older, and wanted everybody to lay hands on her so that she could have another child. She already had two. So I don't know, there could very well be one of you lovely mamas in here that want to start all over again. Past age. Well, verse 11 says, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Mama, what do you think about God? Do you believe he's faithful? Do you believe that God is an honorable God, a just God? Has God dealt with you fairly? When you look at your home and you look at your kids and you look at your grandkids, do you see the hand of God in your house? If you do, you should praise God and glorify Him because of it. If you're unable to see the salvation that you want to see in your seed, you still should worship and praise God. Because God works behind the scenes regardless of the fact you don't see it. Because you, you have a tendency to believe that if it's not visible to me, then God's not moving. But faith is when you're able to conceive a thing, even see a thing, before it even comes to pass. And that's why it says in verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So then thinking about a lady like Sarah, what was her life like before she received strength? She walked with God. For a certain season, she had an unanswered prayer. But she walked with God and trusted God. Have you ever had an unanswered prayer? Have you ever got upset with God? Or did you trust God despite the fact he didn't answer your prayer when you wanted him to answer that prayer? You've probably known plenty of ladies that have backslidden and walked away from God because they were offended, and God didn't move when, he, when they wanted God to move. 
That's not Sarah's testimony. Sarah waited patiently, and she judged him faithful who had promised. What is the promise that God has made to you, and are you holding fast to that promise? Don't give up. If God promised you your spouse, your children would be saved, don't give up on that promise. He said, well, Pastor, there's a lot of opposition to what I believe, and there's just a lot of difficulties, and I see distractions over here, there's turmoil over here. Hold fast to the promise of God. That's what Sarah did. She believed, she trusted, despite what had taken place. And if we were to go over into Romans, you can see that God even took Abraham's old body and touched it so that when he and Sarah came together, supernaturally, here comes a child. Why was a child necessary? To fulfill the promise. What was the promise? Your seed will be as a multitude of stars. God had to bring it to pass because he could not bring the nation of Israel into existence until these two came together with the miracle baby. Yeah. So miracles are the result of need. And when the need arises, then God is the one that we should look to. I assume Sarah did everything she knew to do in ancient times to get pregnant. I assume that. When I lived in the Middle East with an Arab family, they still had traditions, I'll say superstitions, but they still had traditions that if you wanted to have a boy, there were certain kinds of food you needed to eat. Think about that. You were a gal. Because in the Middle East, the, the belief is in order to perpetuate the family name, you need boys. And I saw many a Muslim man and occasionally a Christian gentleman who when their wife gave birth, they were displeased that it was another girl. Another girl. They wanted one boy after another in order for the tribal name to be perpetuated. But you know what? For the, for the ones that really knew God and had a relationship with God, they loved their daughters the way daughters ought to be loved, treated them as though they were special. Yeah. And when you go back into the book of Genesis, you'll see that when Isaac and Rebekah got together, there was a dowry that had to be paid. So the, the family that ended up having one, two, three, four, five daughters were enriched by the fact that they had all of these girls. Now, most of you men, you married your wife and you pretty much got, got off scot-free. You didn't have to pay a dowry, and your in-laws didn't ask for a dowry. And if they had have asked for a dowry, probably some of the unions wouldn't be going on right now because there might have been enough men that would have said, I am not Jacob and I am not going to work seven years or 14 years for any lady. But there would have been a handful of people like Jacob and Daryl who would have worked 25 years for his spouse. Yeah, you better believe it. I got some cool points for that one. Yeah. So then, if, if Sarah trusted God, Mama, do you still trust God now? Do you still believe? Are you still strong in the faith, giving glory to God despite 
the circumstances that have, have, have come to you? Have you had difficulties? We all have had difficulties. Have you had moments where you lacked things that you needed and had moments where you had an abundance of things that you needed? But Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. However poor you believe you are, there's somebody on this earth that has had less than you. However wealthy you believe you may be, there's somebody else on this planet that has a little bit more than you. But it is possible for you to have a lifestyle that allows you to be rich in faith towards God. I mean, this man Abraham took his wife from the big cities of Mesopotamia and spent 100 years or so living in a tent. How many of you ladies would have loved to just travel like that? What if your husband would have come home one day and said, you know, I really feel like God is just calling us to live in a mobile home. And we're going to raise our kids in a mobile home on the road doing the work of God. Now, by the time some of the husbands would have woke up with a knot on their head from their wife hitting them with that rolling pin, they'd have realized Mama wasn't going out there in that mobile home, but yet Sarah followed her husband around the promised land in a tent. She'd work with him to set the tent up when they came to a place to stay, and then she'd work with him to tear the tent down when it was time to move. But some of you mothers in here I know have changed residences plenty of times. It could have been because of military orders. It could have been because, because of a movement, a job opportunity. But when you have had to move and go from one location to another, even though your geography changed, you still had faith in God. And your relationship with God doesn't ever have to change. And that's what we learn with Sarah. And I hope and pray that no matter what happens, that you always have faith in the King. We certainly see people that turn away from God, and they turn other people's hearts away from God. Jezebel and Ahab didn't have good hearts when it came to the king. Solomon allowed the women of this world to turn his heart away from God, and surely there have been a lot of bad influences that have been ladies that have come into a gentleman's life and, and taken them away from the principles and the truths and traditions of the faith of God in their family. That's what happened with Solomon. And he lost his way with God because of his pursuit of women. But you still have people like Deborah, who was a prophetess, and she was faithful as a mother in Israel. You can set the standard. And do you know that in, in many churches, the most faithful people that you find very often are the ladies? Yeah, even the baby knows it. Kaysen said, yep, absolutely. Well, surely, if, if you understand that, you can see why it's important for believers to trust God. Yeah, absolutely trust God. And, and ladies are faithful to pray. Ladies are faithful to, to labor in fellowships. And just like this spirit of Sarah, you can find it in many ladies in local churches, and I pray more local churches will have people like Sarah. Sarah gave birth naturally, but it's also possible to conceive and give birth spiritually. 
God can put a ministry vision in the heart of a lady, and that lady can travail over that vision, thinking about what God has spoken to her heart about, and eventually, over a period of time, give birth to the very thing God has placed on her heart. And if God's ever put anything on your heart like that, be willing to yield to that. Sarah was special. In that way, she was in ministry with her husband. And even though Abraham received the promise, Sarah received the promise from God also. I wish my mom would have created memories with me of her reading the Bible with me. But she didn't know God. And I don't spend my life sad and condemning her now since she's a Christian because of what she didn't do. There are plenty of people that are that way. They look at their mom, and their mom has done this, their mom has done that, and they, they focus on what she hasn't done. Focus on what she has done for you, how she's loved you, how she's cared for you, how she's sacrificed. Little kids don't realize that in order for them to play all the sports they play throughout the year, that mom and dad sometimes have to take a second job, a third job, just to have a little extra money to make sure they can go on the field trip with the other kids. They don't think about that. They only think about the fact that they couldn't get a game that they wanted or they weren't allowed to go spend the night somewhere. But mamas often stay up and pray for their kids. Look at the little kids that go to FCA and they, they're able to go and eat because some mom took the time to make a whole lot of fried chicken or some cake or something like that. The sacrifices are great. Sarah was a lady that walked with God, and I'm so grateful that having walked with God, she let, she's left this testimony that you can believe God and judge Him faithful. Don't ever cause anybody to stumble in their faith, and don't let anybody cause you to go back. Not your husband, not your children, not a preacher. Judge God faithful because God is a wonderful and faithful God. Now when you look in Hebrews 11 at this lady in verse 31 that we mentioned, her name was Rahab. She was a prostitute. And God only knows how many men she'd been with. But here's a lady that was involved with a lifestyle that under the Old Testament law said she should have been condemned, if not stoned, and put to death for what she was doing. Just a bad life, you know. And anyone caught up in a lifestyle like this, there's an emptiness inside of them. Why does a woman go from one lover to the next, to the next, to the next? Since she was a harlot, she was receiving payment. So in her mind, it's just a business transaction. My body can be used, should be used in order to make money for myself. And that is what she did. And I wonder how many times in the middle of the night, night she lay there weeping and crying because she never, ever had a man that loved her because of who she was but only loved her body. There are a lot of ladies like that. A lot of ladies put up with a lot of things because they don't want to be alone. They'll settle for this. They'll settle for that. The plan of God has always been fornication within the covenant of marriage, physical relationship within the covenant of marriage. But there are plenty of people who are involved with this Rahab-like lifestyle for whatever reason. You know, I've met people in my lifetime that were born into harlotry. By that, I mean their mother 
was a harlot and introduced the daughter to it when she became a teenager. Known people like that. Yeah. But I've also met people who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, who at one time were involved with some kind of sex industry, but yet were brought out of that, and the way they ended up in that is because they ran away from home and ended up homeless, and some man promised he'd take care of them and help them. And yet Rahab here, this woman still was redeemed, and she's part of the legacy of faith in the Bible. So that tells me no matter your brokenness, no matter your sin, whatever your transgressions are, the emptiness in your heart that has led you to weep and cry because your, your life has just fallen to pieces, God has a way of putting it all back together if you just trust Him. Yeah. And all of us in here are testimonies in one way or another of that power of God to redeem. You may have met people also who are the product of rape. I know I have. I've met people who parents didn't want them, but yet they couldn't get rid of them. And yet they made it to adulthood, and they were still able to become contributing citizens of society and have faith in God because they learned that since I'm redeemed, I'm also redeemed from everything my parents said about me. Just because you have parents or grandparents or cousins or friends and relatives that don't love you, that doesn't mean you don't have a God that doesn't love you. The Scripture says when your mother and father forsake you, God comes along and takes you up. Rahab was a harlot. We don't know what her nights were like. How many men may have slapped her around? How many men may have used her and abused her and did not pay her? But yet... When the twelve spies came along, this lady helped God's people. Yeah, she helped God's people. She obviously had come to believe that what these spies had told her about the judgment of God that was coming, that it was true. And this is where her conversion begins. This is why when the judgment came to the city... She herself didn't perish with everybody else because one moment of faith changed her life. Remember that. The blood of Jesus is so strong that regardless of how many people a lady has been with, whatever kind of harlotries she may have had to endure, the blood of Jesus forgives. If Jesus forgives, why don't you forgive yourself? Yeah. If, if somewhere in your past you had an abortion, you thought about having an abortion, your parent or somebody told you they wanted to abort you, if somewhere in your past you, you stepped out of covenant, stepped out of relationship, ended up in an illicit affair or bad circumstances and situations, the same God that produces the blood of Jesus that brings about your forgiveness wants you to know that you're truly forgiven. And if you're forgiven, let it go. Why perish with everybody else that doesn't have a covenant with God? Why sink in bitterness with people who refuse to embrace the forgiveness of God? The world is filled with grudge-bearing people who constantly hold against you what you've done. 
And that's how the devil is, the accuser of the brethren. He spends a lot of his time reminding you of what you did. And he'll use the lips of some of the people that are closest to you. Well, just don't forget where you came from now. You know, you, you, you haven't always been like this. See, You haven't always been somebody going to church. I still remember when you did such and such. Well, keep on remembering it because I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. I'm reaching forth to those things in front of me. That's what Paul says. And if you're going to allow your past to have tentacles and shackle you and restrain you from going forward, you'll never be able to experience the redemption that Rahab experienced. It was a full redemption. And she didn't die with everybody else. So notice in verse 31 again, Rahab did not perish with them that did not believe. So mama, distinguish yourself from those who are unbelievers. Distinguish yourself from those who have decided, I'm going to live my own life and do my own thing. Distinguish yourself from those who have decided they're going to continue to impute your sins against you and remind you of your sins. Yeah, separate yourself from them so that you can have a standout kind of faith. I'm sure for Rahab to walk through her community, she was not esteemed. And she certainly would not have been looked upon as a model for the other young girls in that area. And there probably were people that probably told their kids, now you just look at her, look at the decision she's making, look at how her life is turning out, and want you to avoid that. Yeah, and probably people said that. However, what they didn't know was that Rahab became a believer in God when the 12 spies came. They had no idea of her conversion because they didn't live in her house. They didn't know what was going on in her heart. They didn't see what was taking place in the secret spaces of her home, that in the midst of all of her sins, she still had a hollowness in there. She was saying, God, can you help me somehow? I don't want to live in this lifestyle. I don't want to be caught up in this harlotry and adultery. I want my life to count for something. And God sent 12 men to tell her the story of Jehovah. She believed the story and her life was changed. Who came along and witnessed to you? Who came and told you how important redemption was? Because when this city died and they threw that rope, that scarlet thread of redemption outside the window of her house to let all the people that were Israelite warriors who were coming, to let all them know you can destroy the whole city, but don't you touch that apartment up there where you see that scarlet thread of redemption coming out. Everybody in that house is to be redeemed. That's what God does for you. You became a Christian. You accepted Jesus. And even though there are plenty of people who still try to look down their noses upon you and treat you with disrespect and with disdain and act as though your life is of no value and doesn't count, I'm telling you there's a God that says your life does count, and that's why redemption is manifested in your life. And anybody who knows what that scarlet thread of redemption looks like sees a person that's been totally redeemed by God. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful that God hung that cord outside our home. It was a long time for some of my family members to come to Christ. But I'm telling you, one by one, they started coming in. 
And it's not always easy when you see the sins that are perpetuated by your loved ones. But just keep praying, keep trusting God. God is stronger because the Bible says where sin abounds, the grace of God does much more abound. And the man or woman who honestly believes they're smarter than God, I can promise you God has a variety of ways of taking the wisdom of this world and humbling someone and in a moment changes their lives. Yeah. How long did it take for your whole belief system to fall apart and crumble? doesn't take long. One sermon, one tract, one radio message, one visit to a relative, one conversation with a Christian. I asked one of my translators last week, I said, I'm curious, how did you become a Christian? And he's about my age. He told me, he said, well, he said, I was raised under the USSR. He said, I was a member of the Communist Party, so I was an atheist. We were taught that. We were instructed as kids. There is no God. And he said, we held to that philosophy, and we honestly believe communism is what the world needed. That's what they taught us in school. That's what they taught us at home. But he said, when communism fell apart and the USSR just disintegrated, he said, I saw that everything I believed disappeared with the signing of a document. And he said, at that point, I started questioning everything I had learned from childhood, and I started praying just on my own. God, if, if you're out there, could you send somebody to help me find who you are? He said he knew about different religions. He just never trusted any of them, but he, he started wondering if there was a God. He said a missionary came, because when the USSR fell apart, there was a five-year window when missionaries from around the world could come to these, these areas and set up shop, and that's where most of the churches began. The window now is closed, and if you're a missionary, you can't get in there now. But he said there was a missionary that came, and he said they started a school and had some young people, and he said, I got to know one of the, the younger adults, and the younger adult invited me to a Thanksgiving meal. And he said, this American couple, when they had the Thanksgiving meal, the father stood up and told the story of what Thanksgiving is all about. He said it was about people that had come to the shorelands over there in America and how they could have starved but didn't, but learned to plant stuff and worked with some Indians. And he said, I sat there and I listened to that and I thought to myself, that's, that's quite interesting. And he said, that was the first seed that was sown. Then he said, little by little, I started going to church with them. And he said, I'd look and pay attention to how these Christians were living. He said, I'd never been around anybody when they worshiped God. They lifted their hands or they smiled. He said, I'd seen people in the Russian Orthodox Church, but he said, that was just religion. There's no happiness or no joy there. They themselves are communists, even though they're a church. But he said, I started going and watching these Christians and paying attention to my friends. And he said, one day they had a Christmas service in the church. And at the Christmas service, they decided to have communion after the presentation of all the children. And he said, when it was all over, that pastor said, for you that are here, we'd like all of you to participate in communion. But this is for Christians and for people that love Jesus. 
And if you don't love Jesus, now is an opportunity for you to embrace him and let him change your life. And he said he sat there through that one service, and that little two or three-minute statement that man made about communion said changed his life. He embraced Jesus just, just that fast. From communism to Christianity. From atheism to Christianity. By just watching how people live. I've told plenty of atheists in my life, if you're an atheist, it's because you saw in some religious person something you didn't like, something you didn't believe in, and because you didn't believe in it, you said there is no God. But if you could see the wrong person live a lifestyle that would convince you that there is no God, there's also the possibility of you seeing the right person live a Christian life that will convince you there is a God. It can all go in reverse just like that. And folks, ever since I've known the King, I've been ever so grateful that Jesus has been everything that I have needed him to be. For you whose mom has passed away, or for you that did not have a good mom, Jesus will be everything you need him to be. Everything you need him to be. Embrace him, hold on to him, walk with him, and trust him. Amen? And he'll be everything you need him to be. Let's stand.